If you could please turn in your Bibles, Pew Bibles, personal Bibles, to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace amongst those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So today we finish our reflections on Advent and Christmas, Christmas season. And we begin um, on this first day of the new year. New Year's Day on a Sunday. But that is what we have today, and I think in many ways that's a good thing, to be mindful of God and his work for us right off the top in this new year. How can we claim the message of Christ and live in the presence of the Spirit of God day by day, 365 days this coming year? That's a good Good thing for us to reflect on. I like this statement by Carl Rahner as we begin. For the sublime hours of wisdom, art, and love, we must prepare ourselves wholly with soul and body. So it is with the great days in which we celebrate our redemption. So days like Christmas, Easter, and also New Year's, the first day. Big day in the Jewish calendar. Do not leave them to chance. Do not drift into them listlessly in an everyday frame of mind. Prepare yourself. Determine to prepare yourself. That is the first thing, Karl Rahner. Rahner was an incredible theologian. He was Catholic, and he was maybe the principal theologian behind Vatican II, where a lot of changes came into the Catholic Church, and Rahner was instrumental in much of that. But beyond his theological writings, he also uh, wrote some devotional things, and he just kind of did it, right? He wrote it in letters and comments, and eventually they were collected into a book called The Church Year. But his statement, prepare yourself, determine to prepare yourself, that is the first thing. So you've taken a good step. You're here on the first day of the year. 
you've made the effort to get up. Maybe last night was a bit of a later night, I don't know. But here we are, here you are, we're here together on the first day of the new year. And that maybe is part of determining to prepare ourselves. Don't drift into these days listlessly or mindlessly. Can we be mindful? Here is a new year that we have. Stretching out before us, but as we noticed in the beginning, we noted this is the year of the Lord. So 2023, whatever happens in this coming year, it is the year of the Lord. We can be confident in that. But I think we do need to prepare ourselves. So I, I would really encourage you, you know, this day, if you have some time beyond this service, to sit quietly, be mindful that this is a new year, a gift from God. What do you want to do this coming year? What is God saying to you in this new year, this gift of time for us as a church family? Can we be listening together for God's direction? So I, I think these days, important days, are, are good ones for us. But we can slip by them just because we're busy and we've got a lot going on and we just don't really think about anything spiritually. We just live our day. So, New Year's Day, the first day of the year. We begin with this statement. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So that's the opening scene. So we'll just think about that. So where does it take place? Well, it takes place in Bethlehem, which is just outside of Jerusalem. An important city. It was the city of David. It was also the city of Ruth and Naomi, where they settle in Boaz. It was the city of Jacob and Rachel. So a lot happened in the Old Testament around the city of Bethlehem, an important place. You can visit Bethlehem. You can go there. The Church of the Nativity is there. See the place where Christ may well have been born. City of Bethlehem, the city of bread. So home, it is shepherds, lowly shepherds. So I always find it you know, interesting that the, the angel comes to shepherds. You know, they come to, the angel comes to just really ordinary folk in that culture. Shepherds minding the sheep, the goats, the animals out in the fields. A job that marginalized them because they couldn't keep, you know, all the ceremonial laws. It was impossible. They were out in the fields, so they couldn't wash before all their meals. They couldn't do all the stuff that in the city of Jerusalem, just a few miles away, the religious people were advocating and, and doing. It is also interesting, just as an aside, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to follow all those rules, they had to be people of means. They had to be people of class. 
Because if they were engaged in the day-to-day work, you wouldn't have the time to do all that. So typically, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were people on a higher class level who had the time to pursue and engage all the laws and regulations. The shepherds were not of that group, you see. Shepherds were just ordinary folk. But the angel of the Lord comes to the ordinary folk. He comes to us. That's a good story, don't you think? God is interested in us. He doesn't come to the palace. He comes to the manger. So whom? The shepherds. When? Well, it's at night. It's in stillness. It's the dark sky, right? You know, outside of Bethlehem, outside of Jerusalem in those days, it would be very, very, very dark. Quiet. Sheep maybe making a little bit of noise, moving around. What happens? Well, all of a sudden an angel appears. Imagine that, right? Just this burst, this burst of light. That's how it's presented. In the darkness, at night, all of a sudden, wow, boom. Incredible fireworks just go off. If you weren't expecting them and just saw them like that, wow, that would be pretty incredible. And that's, that's what's happening here. An angel comes in this burst of light. There's a film out right now that did very well, apparently. I haven't seen it yet, but it's called Nope. N-O-P-E. Nope. And it's about this smallish town and this burst of light. I think the story goes it's a UFO that appears. It's this... Unfortunately, the ones who come aren't all that friendly, but it does shake them all up. They're all awakened by this light, and that's what happens here. And the weight of it is the shepherds are full of fear. They are afraid. The angel comes, and they are afraid. Probably we would be afraid in that situation as well, right? We'd be shocked. What's going to happen next? So all of that is the scene. And you know the story. We've heard it many times. Then the angel speaks. So this is where it gets more interesting for us. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. We note that they are afraid. The angel notes it too. The angel says to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. It's good news and great joy. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. So that's the message of the angel. Be not afraid. I'm bringing you good news of great joy. So do not be afraid. We recognize that that statement, that command, is the most repeated statement, command in the entire Bible. We've heard that. We know that. Do not be afraid. It's an ongoing statement, right? Do not be afraid. Do not live in fear. Live in faith. 
Do not live in fear. Your life, live in faith. All the scary things that can happen, and maybe even happening right now for you, I'm not sure. The invitation and the encouragement is live in faith. Do not live in fear. And I think that message we need to hold on to and repeat every, every day of the year. Do not fear. Live in faith. Live in trust. Why? Because I bring good news. I don't bring bad news. It was Bob Dylan, who maybe I've told you that, probably have. Bob Dylan wrote an article, well, he was interviewed really, and he was saying the social media, it's all about bad news. Bad news sells. You watch CNN, it's usually about being, uh, you know, some sort of bad news. Fox, whoever you're watching, typically it's bad news. But the angel comes with good news. And not only good news, note, great joy. Not just joy, great joy. It is great joy to all the people, not just to the Jewish community, but to all the people, to us, Gentiles. Good news, great joy to all the people, to us. So right off the top, a message for the first day of the year. Do not live in fear. God has given us good news, and indeed it is great joy. It's full of joy, great joy, if we'll hold on to it. So it means we can... Live under the smile of God. Someone has noted that the smile of God is his grace. God's grace to us is his smile. And this story is all about grace and all about smile. Why? Because the next statement, a baby is born and the baby is called three names, Savior, Christ, Lord. In Matthew it says the baby is born, he will save his people from their sins. Name him Jesus, the angel says. Why Jesus? Because the name means Savior. God saves. He will save his people. So this child is Savior. That's why we sang that last song, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. It goes on to sing about salvation, right? That's what that song's about, salvation. He has saved us. So he is Savior. That is good news. That is great joy. He has saved us. We have an eternal life of shalom, of peace, that word. That's our gift forever. Not just our 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, whatever we might get, whatever. Eternal life with God in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God walking with us, being amongst his people, that's us, that's our, that's our future. And we are to live in light of that. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is also Christ. That's the name for Messiah. Christ is Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah of God is Jesus. And because of that, he is also Kyrios, Lord. 
So three different names given for Jesus here by the angel. He is Savior, he is Christ, he is Lord. And one of the take-homes that we're going to have today is, is that true for us? Is that true for you? Is that true for me? Is indeed Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your life? That, that's what we need to ask ourselves. Do we hold on to Jesus as our Lord? Who and what is our Lord? Everybody has a Lord. We probably don't use that name, but... Everybody has something that drives their direction, their future. For many people in our world, it's money. Money is Lord. So, money can be our Lord if we make it. It's not a great Lord, is it? Well, we can spend our lives all thinking just about money. And not because you have a lot of money. You might not have a lot of money. But money can still be Lord. So who or what is Lord in our lives? We'll come back to that one. We'll circle back to that. But that's what this is about. Jesus is Savior Christ, Lord. And because of that, he gives us freedom. He frees us from the oppression of our world and the oppression in this day of the Romans. And all that that happens, these last few days I've been listening to Bob Marley and Bob Marley's freedom songs, his redemption songs. It's what he sang about, redemption, freedom. And we have that in Christ. And I like his line about free, free me, free us from what? Mental slavery. Wow. Because we can have mental slavery, all of us. Slaves to whatever's going on in our mind. Why? Because something else is Lord. So whatever is Lord, we can be slaves to that. So whatever is going on in our lives, you see, that's, that, that's, this is good news, to free us from our mental slavery. Maybe this is your year to be released from whatever the crap has been going on in your head or my head. Maybe this is the year. Determined to prepare yourself, Rahner says, from all of that. And that's, that's what Bob Marley sang about. Fortunately, he died so young. What was he, 36, I think. How many more great songs would have Marley written? But the Lord is Lord of our lives. Our time is in his hands. So that this is the Kairos moment. This child is born. And what's the sign? A very little sign. A baby is born in a manger. <laughs> not, no, not the big choir that's going to happen in a moment. Not the millions of angels that are just going to join the one angel and sing this great chorus. That is not the sign. The sign is this little baby born in a manger down the street. You are encouraged to go find him. That's the sign. And often we're looking for the big signs. Maybe you're thinking about a change in your life, whatever it is, and you want a big sign. Give me a big sign. 
Well, frequently God doesn't give us these big signs. He gives us little signs. And we have to be sensitive enough to see the little sign. told you the story about Peter Brown. Peter was having a hassle in his life. And he was on a personal retreat, and he's on a bridge, and he's looking down at the water, and he sees a little twig, and the twig is stuck. And the current's pushing, and the twig is still stuck. It's still stuck. And all of a sudden, the twig breaks free and just starts going down the river. Just like that. I remember Peter telling me, you know what, that was a sign to me. That was a sign that just as that little twig can be pushed down the river, what I'm dealing with can also be pushed down the river. Little signs. You could go over that bridge a million times and look over and that's the end of it. So what are the little things that can come up, even on this day, note that brings shalom, that brings peace? What Marley was singing about, redemption songs, peace. That's what this angel's saying. So the take-home here is God is in solidarity with us. That's Jesus coming. God comes in Christ. That's the whole message of incarnation, is that God comes in Christ. Jesus is going to do something for you and for me. He's going to live for us and die for us. And you know that the idea, just to back up for a moment, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's a picture for us, right? So when we think of Christ dying on the cross, the point is not that the Father, how can the Father do this to his Son? If God is a God of love, how can he do that to his Son? You see, we hang on to that image so much. We say, well, he couldn't possibly do that because he loves him. But the God, the Godhead is God, three persons in one nature. So God takes on flesh. And as you like, he, he dies for us. Do you see what I mean? When Jesus dies, God is dying, if you, if you look at it that way. It's not like he's doing something that's not part of him. God loves us so much that he's willing to enter into this incredible human story that involves so much pain and ultimately death because he loves you and me. And that is the story of our salvation, you see. God in Christ and Holy Spirit working together so we can be saved, so we are saved, so that we can be with him forever and forever and forever. And the cross, God goes to the cross in Jesus, you see. It's all this amazing statement of love and of redemption. Lord, I lift your name on high. Why would you do all that for me? Little old me. Little old us, why would you do that? Because God is love. Jesus is love. The Holy Spirit is love. All for you and me. And we are invited then to live in the awareness of that presence. We are not alone. Jesus is with us day in, day out. Don't you think? Oh, don't you think? 
Jesus is with you through this whole year. God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus says, I am going away, but I will send the Holy Spirit to you, and he will be your paraclete. He will walk beside you in a way that I can't. I'm with you right now, here and now, but all over the world, the Holy Spirit can walk with every believer everywhere and not only walk with you, be in you. It's better that I go, Jesus says. Disciples wouldn't get that initially, but eventually they get it because the Spirit indwells them. And then you see them doing amazing things, right? Not couching away in fear, but standing up boldly for the gospel. When they're in jail, they're singing psalms of, songs of praise. It's because they know the power of God, living in the awareness of God's presence. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, we began with. Spirit, you are welcome here in my life. The presence of God, the presence of Christ in you this year. You are not alone. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. That's how that bit ends. As we conclude, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go and see. They don't just sit down, have a cup of tea and think about it, reflect on it. It's too much effort to go and try to find this baby. They actually go and see. And then when they finally do find the babe, they go off and tell about what is happening. So the shepherds become a model for us. Would you take the time to go and see? Would you take the risk of leaving your sheep on the hillside by themselves? I don't know. We might think that's too risky. I can't take that chance. What will the boss say? They take the chance. They take the risk. And they go and see, and they find some beautiful things, right? They find Jesus. The shepherds are responsive. They go and see. Will we go and see? Will we take the time to prepare ourselves? So the story speaks then of God's work, his salvation, his love, his total work for you and me, as we've just said. That is what this story's about. And so we circle back to this question, who is king in our lives? What is king in your life? Is Jesus really king? Is Jesus Lord? Is he truly our leader? The writer of Acts talks about Jesus as our leader. Is he our leader? So you and I have to own that, right? You have to own it. I have to own it. Jesus as your king. Jesus as your Lord. Really choose that and make that the reality. I hope we do. I hope you do. The story of your life is really all about that question. Will I make Christ Lord? Will I make him king of my life? Why? Because it means we are now in relationship with God, and that's the whole story. If God is the creator of the entire universe, and we know more and more and more and more about the universe, if he's done all that in his 
creator of it all, and we can possibly move into a relationship with him, then that is what your life is about. It is not about how big your house is or all the stuff you might have. All that's cool, but that is not what your life's about. What your life is about is relationship with God. That's it. That's the whole story. And so often we miss that. People that we live their whole lives and get everything else and miss that. Right? It's the story of the guy with the big barn. Get the big barn. I've got all this. I'm going to fill it and I'm just going to have a good time the rest of my life. And what happens? He dies and God says, hey, this is it, man. This, your moment's over. Who cares if you die with all your barns full of that? Or if you have a bank and the bank's got a bunch of zeros after everything, who cares? It'll go to somebody else and you have no idea what they'll even do with it. Who cares? But but to be in a relationship with God forever, that's the magic. That's where the beauty is. I've mentioned James Houston. James Houston is 100 years old. Beth and I met him before we were ever married. We sat around the table in his house, had dinners. And I remember eating all these really weird, weird foods because all these English guys, they were very English, they would have jellos and they'd put all these weird vegetables into the jello. <laughs> yeah, ooh, you're right. That's what I was thinking. But they like to do that. Anyway, I had to eat it. But apart from all that, we were in their home. And he's now over 100 years old. And he's still active for the Lord. He, he suggested this statement. Breathe in gratitude and breathe out kindness. Nice. 100 years old. Breathe in gratitude or thanks. Breathe it in. All the goodness of God. And then breathe out kindness to someone else. So maybe that's something that can direct us a little bit in 2023. In your life, in the very specifics of your life, breathe in kindness. I'm sorry. (laughs) Breathe in gratitude. Breathe out kindness. Someone has said, you cannot be healthy. You cannot be a healthy person unless you are able to be grateful. Forget it. You cannot do it. If you cannot be thankful, then you're going to play the life in the role of victim. And you'll see yourself as a victim all the way through. So we need to learn to be grateful. Breathe in gratitude. Breathe out kindness in God's name. Amen.